We pray in the words of Julian of Norwich, God of your goodness, give me yourself. You are enough for me, and anything less that I could ask for would not do you full honor. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always lack something, but in you alone I have everything. Amen. Fourteenth-century English mystic Julian of Norwich claims in her writing that it is a characteristic of God to overcome evil with good. Jesus Christ, therefore, who himself overcame evil with good, is our true mother. We receive our being from God, and this is where Christ's maternity starts. And it comes with the gentle protection and guard of love which never ceases to surround us. A gentle protection and guard of love which never ceases to surround us. Amazing. Today is Mother's Day, and I want to offer a word of honor to all our mothers to those who have been mother figures to us, and to all who have loved us for who we are. And I also want to be mindful to recognize, name, and remember mothers who have lost children, those among us who have lost their mothers, those among us with strained family relationships, those who have chosen not to be mothers, and those yearning to be mothers. All of these people are very important. All of these situations are holy, and we will honor all of them. We're still in the Easter season, and our reading from the book of Acts tells us a story about Tabitha, or in Greek, Dorcas. I'm going to use Tabitha in my sermon. Tabitha is not just a member of someone's church community, but a disciple. The actual word in the Greek Bible calls Tabitha methetra, the same word used for all of the disciples, which means to the writer of the book of Acts, Tabitha is on equal footing with every man who follows Jesus too. Secondly, we hear that she's a force to be reckoned with. Tabitha is the one person who even before deacons exist in the church, is taking care of the poor and the needy, the widow and the orphans, even people whom no one in society cares about, Tabitha and her group of disciples are out at the margins helping. But Tabitha gets sick. She's so bad off that the story tells us that the women send for Peter and he comes quickly to find her presumed dead. Peter goes to that upper room where her body lays and he prays over her. And in that fierce, intense, Easter-proclaiming prayer, Tabitha awakens and with great joy he shows her to the others that she is indeed alive. This story we hear of new life mirrors the ideas that the writer of Acts wants us to know that when Christ has been raised from the dead... His spirit is now everywhere, pouring out upon the disciples, which can be poured out upon us. And through the presence of the risen Christ, absolutely everything is possible, 
even one like the miracle that the story reveals. However, we're not really in tune with what this story is saying if we just stop there. Remember, the story also has this little vignette in it that I think is very important. It says, all of the widows stood beside Peter, weeping, and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas made while she was with them. Suddenly, this transactional nature of this type of miracle has turned from, uh, turned from something very simple like, go get Peter and have him come to turn this, life, this woman's life around, to one where we can visibly see, we see by that sentence how much Tabitha was loved by the women that she took care of. The love that they felt for her, they held back up to her. They held up her garments and tunics and clothing that Tabitha made for them. This person who was presumed dead was not ordinary. She was someone who loved people into new realities about their life. And so in turn, the women, out of probably desperation, stood over her body with the physical evidence of her love for them so that, so that her love could not only be used for their good, but also for her own as well. Hearing this part of the story makes me think of the women I met many years ago on the other side of the world in Myanmar in Southeast Asia. They were part of a, a church group that is present actually in many parts of the world, but they were part of a, a group called the Mother's Union. And these women, the ones that I met, could sew practically anything. They could make any garment for any occasion, and they could do absolutely anything to help others when they were in need. They could do anything. If they needed clothing, you got clothing. If people needed food, they got food. If they needed their kids to be taken care of, they took care of their kids. If they needed shelter, they found some place for somebody to live. Even security, if you were in hiding because the government was out to get you, they would be there for you. This mother's union was a force to be reckoned with. And so while I was there in Myanmar, I got to hear the stories of these women. Stories of these women's children being drafted into doing mandatory public work or being drafted and serving in the Burmese army. There were stories of extreme poverty, of Christian villages that all got malaria because the locals never ever knew anything about mosquitoes and infection. Stories of terrifying situations of violence, of people that had to live in hiding their entire lives, stories of tragedy that would absolutely break your heart. So considering all of this heartbreak and all of this struggle, you'd expect these women to be somber and serious and sad and rather downtrodden, right? Nothing could be further from the truth. From the sound of their singing as they worked, to the ways in which they prayed when they got to work every day, to the sheer joy that they had in offering guests simple hospitality. They didn't have much, and they'd, they'd give you a, a big pot of boiling water with a few tea leaves in it. The women of the Mother's Union found hope. Hope in one another, 
hope in their new life of being disciples of Jesus, following the examples of of wonderful disciples like Tabitha, hope in the new life of Easter that Christ promises. We all have people in our lives just like these women. Yes, we do, all around us. People, men and women, who have faced overwhelming hardship, crushing addictions, unconscionable violence and oppression. We've known people who've practically seen everything imaginable in life, and they really should be the most downtrodden and somber and sad people we know. Except they're not. Most of the time, they're not. Instead, some are some of the most joy-filled, and I would say at times the most humorous people we know. They don't look at life through rose-colored glasses, but a lot of them see the world looking at life through a different lens, a lens of love, a lens that Jesus has of the way that God sees the world, through the lens of God whose characteristic is always to overcome evil with good. We know these people. You might be one of them. All of us have some portion of their struggle in us. We all have a story. Yet we come back weekly. We come back here to church to proclaim that Christ is risen indeed. So what does this teach us for today? Well, first, it teaches us the important work of being a disciple of Jesus. Look, most of the followers of Jesus in the Bible only knew him for about three years. And then they began going off and doing some of the most extraordinary work that has literally changed the world as we know it. And as for us, we've known Jesus for longer than three years. Many of us have known Jesus all our lives, and our task then is to claim this life of being a disciple and loving others, even the most vulnerable among us, to such an extreme level like Tabitha and her community, to love in such a way that the love God puts inside of us literally pours out of us. That's one thing, and we all have the ability to do this to really work at being a disciple of Jesus and letting his love form us into people who pour love upon others. That's the first thing. But secondly, we're called to cultivate a network of love and belonging. Tabitha's followers knew of her discipleship to Christ, and they, and they knew how her community connected into Peter and the other disciples. In this day and age, we call that the church. And in Bishop Redall's sermon yesterday, yesterday we had a service here for for diocesan confirmation and our bishop preached, and she invited the newly confirmed to consider how we develop better networks of ministry across our city, across our state, to create this network of fellowship, of love, of belonging, a, a ministry that serves everyone equally. So think about it. This is the dream So that if you went anywhere in Arizona to an Episcopal church, you'd be welcomed as warmly as the most beloved member of that community. Think about it. If we could really see our fellow churchgoers 
who worship in other communities as one of us, as our beloved in Christ, as our true brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers, imagine how much more effective we would be at doing Jesus's ministry in the world. Proclaiming good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to letting the oppressed go free, and to proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor upon everyone. How much better would we be if we actually modeled the relationships, formed the networks of belonging that our church so badly needs? In this united action together, We could actually be the presence of Jesus in the world in a way that the world has never really seen before. And finally, today's reading is meant to help us realize that God doesn't ever stop working in the world. As Julian of Norwich so eloquently stated, that we receive our life force from God. As she writes, We received our being from him, and that is where his maternity starts. And it comes with the gentle protection and guard of love which never ceases to surround us. So it's time to recognize that gentle protection of God whenever we see it. It's time to lift up those guards of love, those sentinels of light in our life whenever they're displayed. It's time to experience how much we can find God's far-reaching love in our life through our families, through our friends, through our church family on the outside, and also experiencing this far-reaching love inside of ourselves in our hearts, because the love we have in our hearts is put there by our creator, whom Julian of Norwich calls our true mother. And so as we commemorate Mother's Day today in all of its aspects, the wonderful parts and the parts that might be a little bit more difficult, Let's take away the truth that God's love continuously pours upon us like it did Tabitha and made her alive again, and like it did on the women in her community, and like it does on us too. After all, we are the lucky ones, because when we receive our being and our ability to love from Jesus Christ himself, this is where God's maternity starts. And with that, that gentle protection and guard of love that never lets us go. A holy and blessed Mother's Day to all.